Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, one of the probably number one topics that people um, email about us or contact us about is deliverance ministry. And it all goes back to CIC issue number 78. So can you just give us a little background about your history with deliverance ministry and why we're talking about this today? Yes. From 1975 to about 1980 or 79, thereabouts, probably 79 is when I started deciding it wasn't right. I was involved with a group that was known for doing deliverance, inner healing, counseling of curse breaking, everything that's out there. You know, we had some version of it that we were doing. And issue 78, I tell some stories about the manifestations and so on and explain why this whole thing is really quite hopeless once you understand what the problems are. And then issue 78, besides the stories, I tell, I, I quote some of these deliverance people like Bob Larson and Watchman Nee really had a lot to do with this back in the 1930s. And so there's a lot about that in issue 78. And I point out it's all, it's wrong. It's not what the Bible teaches. And I got out of it after seeing the bad fruit and then reanalyzing the scriptures and thinking, wait a second, I don't think this is right. And then after 1980, I, I finally ended up just, I'm going to teach the Bible. Enough of this manipulating the world of the spirits and curse breaking and everything I've been doing for five years. I'm just going to teach the Bible. And I've been doing that ever since, which is for over 40 years now. All right. So why, so this deliverance ministry, did it work? Well, you have some uh, testimonies of satisfied people that would say they feel a lot better or they're getting some victory, but then they would start getting troubled again. They'd be back. And part of the thing that made me question is, was the same people would have the same problems over the course of those five years. And some would just travel. They'd think, well, maybe there's somebody better over in Indiana or some, they, they literally travel the country looking for a better deliverance counselor. Oh no. And we had people that came to us that had been elsewhere and they thought, well, maybe we're better. And it was based on being able to have knowledge about what was going on in the realm of the spirits and how the spirits are interacting with the person and how the spirits may or may not have caused whatever symptoms they had, whether they were physical or mental, usually mental, and what that had to do with their own past. So there was a lot of processing people's past and trying to identify inroads that may allow the demons in in the first place. And then you you add in um, fears, dreams. So dreams are taking a significance. So then that always caused some realm that you had to look into the dreams. And it's really got so complex that I eventually realized that if you go into that realm, it's utterly hopeless. All right. And there's some basic reasons why it is. Now, a lot of people may hear this and say, well, I got help. I went to these uh, to some meeting and they broke the curse or a generational curse or they cast out a demon or whatever, and I got a lot better. And there are always going to be testimonies of satisfied customers with anything that anybody has ever done. Okay. Including lotions you buy in the, over the Internet that are going to get rid of arthritis in your knees or whatever. Right. There's nothing in the world that doesn't have some satisfied customers. Uh, But reality is complex. So what I began to realize was this is just creating confusion and fear 
and hopelessness. And as I've said before on our uh, podcast, I started interviewing the leaders of the movement that I knew and had access to and asked them, had they themselves ever gone through this sort of ministry? Had they received inner healing from someone? Had they had demons cast out of them? Had they had curses broken over them? And I hadn't. And I was mm -hmm. one of the leaders. I was a speaker and I was a minister. And I, to my not so much surprised, but I found out that none of the others had either. Okay. Okay, so this was what everybody needed, but somehow we didn't need it at whatever point we came to Christ. And every one of us, including me, had the same testimony. Well, God changed my life when I came to Christ. Right. Okay, so yeah. when I started thinking, just logically, well, then why do everybody else need all these ministries after they came to Christ in order to find freedom when none of us ever did? Right. That kind okay. of makes the gospel some sort of interesting starting point, but there's still this whole system that you have to go through. Right. You, you know, Jessica, you just said something very important. That's literally what happened. We didn't okay. say the gospel was false. We believed it. And every once in a while, well, I know in my preaching, every once in a while I'd mention that and tell people they need to come to Christ. So it wasn't okay. gone, but it wasn't considered the decisive factor. Okay. Okay. That was the starting point. And then allegorizing the Old Testament is what gave um, fuel to the fire of doing this process. And if you read some of the people that we're going to talk about, like this Neil Anderson here. Okay. It says on the top of this book, over 1 million copies sold. Wow. Over 1 million copies, the bondage maker. And so he has more processes than anybody I've ever seen, except for maybe Bob Larson. And he's written book after book, and everyone has checklists, Okay. And I actually okay. copied some of these. Uh, here's checklist. You can see that. Here's checklist that you go through. Here's, I think there's uh, questions and, and more checklists and questions. Okay. okay. Check this, question this, say this. Here, checklist. Oh, wow. Look, looking through the checklist. And then... He's always been really big on renunciations and affirmations. I renounce on whatever it is you found on your checklist. And then the affirmation is, I now am going to trust Christ, which in itself is a good thing. Right. And, but when you put it all together, and he has another whole thing called your identity of Christ, which we've written about, where we assume we have problems because we don't have a rock solid idea of our identity. And so then he has affirmations. I am a child of God. I am free from fear. I am strong. I am bold. And so there's this self-talk. Okay? Right. Now, uh, dear listeners and <laughs> watchers on YouTube, we like these sort of things. Maybe it's American. I, I think it's probably true all around the world, but Give me some process, because then I got some hope something's going to happen. Right. Some people okay. feel better having something to do. Yeah, they want to do something, and they want to treat it as an engineering problem. Mm -hmm. And so then trying to help people see the fallacy of that, I've come up with ways of explaining what's wrong with it. And one way is this. I say, don't trust any Christian sanctification teaching that requires processing the past. Right. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's actually, first, let's define that. What do we mean processing the past? Okay. So let's say, because you know, we're talking about Christians, mm -hmm. you heard the gospel, you, you believed it, you confessed Christ, you're born of God, and you believe the Bible's the word of God. Okay. 
me, and now you're going forward. We believe in means of grace. I've written an article or several about that. Uh, means of grace are accessible, and they're the same for everyone. There's right. no process of sanctification that only works for some Christians. Okay. Nor is the sort of sanctification process you need unique to whatever your past was. Okay. Okay. Now, if there's things that we need to be done with, like they did in Acts, if you've been reading magical arts and you're trusting them, and you got the amulets and the, the demons and the Ouija board and all that stuff, yeah, you, you dump that right away. But, and but the, we usually want to, right? The Holy Spirit convicts us. Well, they do it I, I remember clearing my bookshelf and my CD case. I just, all of a sudden, this stuff was repulsive to me. I didn't want it in my home or... Right. Well, you know, I didn't want to watch the same movies. My God changes us from the inside out. Well, we saw that in our interview with Amy on the Kundalini Yoga. Right. You don't right. go back to the yoga studio after God delivers you from it. Yep. Okay. Well, you see that in action in this article okay. that we're going to talk about. I cover that. And so, but that happened at a point in time at their conversion. Okay. We right. weren't still trying to figure it out five years later. Right. Okay. The people I was helping, but for years they were going through this. And I get emails from people that have literally flown around the country looking for somebody who could get a revelation about what curse was causing their problems. Wow. All right. So processing the past means a lot of things, depending on which false teaching you came under. And we've written articles about most of them generational curses. Right. And so you have problems because you're under a generational curse and that's based on a misuse of some passages of the Old Testament about the third and fourth generation. In the article, we showed that this becomes hopeless immediately because if you go back four generations, there's, there's who knows how many people, depending if there have been any divorces and remarriage and death and then remarriage, there could be ho- how many people who had sinned, whose sin is causing you your problems now, and you don't even know about it. Right. It's and you have no way of knowing about it. It's it's hopeless. Yeah, it's intrinsically unknowable. But they think that's the key. So then they're looking for a shaman. Now, Christians don't call their ministers shamans, but that's what, unfortunately, we turn into when we try to do these things. Um who can get a supernatural revelation about which one of these hundreds of possible sources is causing the problem you got now. That's not knowledge that we could ever have other than by a supernatural source. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so you got the curses. Then you got previous occult activities, which could have been some person you never even knew. Right. Okay. And the fact that you dumped all those things when you got saved wasn't good enough. You have to go through this process of renunciation and affirmation that Neil Anderson prescribes uh, that is necessary. And then there's there's things you may have forgotten about. Well, then you're in trouble because you forgot what it was you did. And, and so on and so forth. So we've dealt with that. Then there's the inner healing theories, all of which are processing the past. In other words, your well-being, the the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, the fruits of the Spirit, the things that if they were true and are true by God's grace in our life, are going to make us Christians who demonstrate that God is at work in our lives because we have the joy of the Holy Spirit and our lives are different. Well, all of that's depending on us processing things that were a part of the memories we had at some point previous point in our life before we came to christ theophostic oh yes okay (laughs) at the time that he was writing about theophostic i was going to christian counseling and we started putting these two things together and i realized that's what i was getting every all of my problems had to do with a talking doll that i was scared of as a little girl in martinsville indiana you know or walking, yeah. I think it was, whatever the case. 
Was it I mean, so then I needed oh. Jesus to come and speak the truth to me about about this doll that I was afraid of when I was four years old. Right. And so I wrote about that, you know, some years yeah. ago. You but, can find that on the CIC website. Yeah. We have a video to it on uh, about Theophastic on YouTube also. Yeah. I went it's and spoke stuff. at a seminary. It was coming into a denomination, and their seminary asked me to come out and refute it. Yes. Okay. So all of this is a failure of faith. We don't believe that God did what he said he did and that we are safe in Christ because what he, of what he has done. And um, this article that we intend to talk about, uh, the gospel as the true armor of God, CIC issue 122, um, and transfer of dominion, we deal with a lot of passages in Ephesians. And I've been preaching through Ephesians now for the last two and a half years, and I'm about done. And I'm actually currently at Gospel of Grace Fellowship finishing a series on the armor of God. Okay? Yep. And what I've learned now through even more extensive study from the Greek is that I did have a right back when I wrote this article. And the emphasis is on standing. Okay. And we're standing firm in Christ and in the promises of God. So, dear saints, if somebody's telling you what you need to do is process your past, identify what contact you may have ever had with any kind of occult thing, everybody's probably done so, knowingly or unknowingly, okay? Um because it's just everywhere. Somebody had a Ouija board as a as a toy as a kid or whatever. They um, had some contact. They, they were flipping through the paper and they may have looked at their horoscope to see how stupid it is. Okay, so there's all of that. And then your memories and into curse. If you go into that realm, here's what I'm telling you, dear saints. It will be a complex convoluted, confusing quagmire of hopelessness. Amen. It is. And I'm not making this up because I've heard from hundreds and hundreds of people since 1992 when I started writing that fell into that hopelessness. Yep. And they think that their sanctification isn't going to happen and their well-being isn't going to be the case based on a failure to properly process the past. Oh, and that, that teaching is just abusive. It cripples young Christians. Well, they all run into it. There's yeah. so many of these books out there. Everybody runs into it. This one Neil Anderson book, he sold a million of those. How many people borrowed one? Right. Who knows? But it, it's it's nonsense. Uh, it's foolishness. Now, he has some true, true things in there, quite a few. Not everything in there is false. He has a basic understanding of Christian doctrine. But his understanding of sanctification is utterly deficient because it's tailored to each person depending on what their past was. Wow. And so that's not a means of grace. What? I can't tell you the issue number, but I, I have an article in CAC about means of grace. Yes. And one of the things that we claim there is that means of grace are accessible for all Christians. Acts 2.42. They all yeah. fellowship around the apostles' teaching, breaking bread, prayer. Uh, our pastor was just preaching about that this last Sunday. Okay, mm -hmm. so they didn't single them out and say, okay, how many had been in the Artemis cult? How many had been under um, this other goddess? Uh, how many did this? How many did that? How many did these things? No, they all came to the same means of grace. Right. And God uses those things to change all Christians because they are by grace through faith like salvation is. But what's wrong is that the inner healing and deliverance teachings say that you begin in the spirit, but you're perfected by the flesh, although they call it the spirit. 
Right. They say, well, you got to identify all of these things of the flesh so that you can uniquely deal with each one and try to get rid of it and crucify it or whatever. But the whole person is crucified with Christ. Right. The whole past is under the blood. Yep. The whole person is a new creature in Christ. Yeah. And Ephesians says, put off the old man, put on the new. Right. Using a metaphor of clothing. So this is all... Um, and it doesn't say go back and inspect the old man to find out, yeah. you know, well, you find out which part you got to take you, off. And it, these yeah, books, yeah. Bob Larson dealing with demons, he says the first thing you need to do is uh, interrogate the demons. Here, let me just read what people are getting. Okay. Okay, okay here's what. Larson says, why would you bombard a demonic manifestation with lengthy, high-volume tirades against evil when what is really needed is to methodically get relevant information that will destroy the power base of the demons, which usually involves sins, unbroken curses, and ungodly soul ties? Okay, so you need to figure out how the demons are getting their hold, which is typical in deliverance teaching. So okay. sins, well, how many sins did we commit before we came to Christ? What all, we're all, well, it's, we can't figure it out totally because yeah. Jeremiah 17 says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? Right. Only we said more than we even know. Yeah. But God knows that he cleanses the whole person, not methodically this, 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 this. But according to Larson, the demons have a hold of you because of this, 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 this. And you better figure it out. But there's more, okay? So you got to figure out unbroken curses. Well, how do you know what that is? By the way, what's a soul tie? I have, you know, I've read through the Bible many times, and I've never come across that one. I haven't either, but all these, a lot of the books have that. Wow. There was a big teaching about that in the 70s when I was in deliverance. I never okay. got into it, but there were people who were identifying soul ties and breaking them. Okay, so when these, when these false teachers say soul ties, what do they mean? Well, they mean, if okay, let's say somebody in their lost state was promiscuous. Okay. So every sexual partner they'd ever had created a soul tie with the person. And okay. so these souls are somehow mystically bound together and they have ways of coming up with that. Okay. Like him where Paul says not to be joined to the harlot. He right. was joined to God as one spirit. And so <laughs> then there's all these things. Now, absolutely, it's, it's sinful to be joined to the harlot. And it's also was sinful what all people did in their life before they came to Christ. But rather than wholly, completely cleansing the person, Larson claims that demons are hanging in there using these soul ties to do it. So you better figure so, out what so those, those are. So those soul ties weren't covered by the blood of Jesus at conversion. Well, the first thing they do is use the fact that Christians still have problems to convince them that the once for all is an inadequate way of looking at it. Wow. Eric and I at Gospel of Grace Fellowship preach once for all a lot because it's in the Bible. Yeah. It's a major argument in the book of Hebrews. The sacrifice. And it's our assurance. Oh, well, I know. It's all ground. The faith was delivered once for all. The blood of yeah, Christ yeah. was shed once for all. Okay? And uh, Hebrews says if you go back, you're never going to have your sins taken away because these sacrifices were not once for all. They were over and over and over, and they could never take away sins. But Jesus shed his blood once for all. The Greek word is hapats, once for all. Okay. 
but they have no time for that. It's all a process. So why do you need to process? Because you still have problems, right? So since we haven't been perfected and we aren't raised from the dead, then now we must have all these problems. Okay. So, you see how that happens? Yeah. It's so not it's really a, a false system of sanctification. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, a shamanistic, I call it shamanism. It's a shamanistic system of sanctification. But let me read on from Larson. Okay. Okay. So then he, so then he, he's probably heard some of his critics and he says this. Why would you rely primarily on unprovable prophetic revelations and highly subjective words from the Lord to guide deliverance process, which is what people used to do and still do. Here's what he gives an alternative. When an effective interrogation of the demons can get to the root of the matter faster, faster and more objectively, unquote. Bob Larson, Dealing with Demons, Introductory Guide to Exorcism, Discerning Evil Spirits, pages 11 and 12. So now you interrogate the demons. And by, uh, in these uh, delivered sessions, and some of this has been televised, I think they made a movie sort of trying to make that scary for people back in the 70s. Uh, called the exorcist, but they the demons speak through people at times. Okay. And the, he uses his justification, the fact that Jesus sometimes did that. Right. But, but he ignores ignore, uh, authorial intent because Jesus did that not for his benefit, but for that of his listeners to show that Jesus had power and authority over all demons, even legion. Yep. But because the pagans believed that if you knew the name of a false spirit being or a god, you could control them. So okay. the, the Christian version is saying you got to know their name. And so you interrogate demons. But here's a kicker on that one. Satan is the liar and the father of the lie. Uh, he's an, he, can, uh, he can come as an angel of light. He always yeah. lies. He's the lawless one, or the Antichrist is the lawless one who is of Satan. Well, how do you know these demons are telling you the truth? <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not a very good, um, well, credible way, source. But they have a way to do it. They, they say, I command you, spirit of whatever, in the name of Jesus, to tell me the truth. And then after that, you can believe everything they say. Okay, but could they really? I mean, what, what evidence is there that that's even true? The, what, what the big uh, blind spot in all that is that they're obtaining occult knowledge. Which is forbidden. Which is forbidden. So you're tempting God. Yes. By invoking the name of Jesus on a process that he never authorized. And... You say well, they say, well, no, no, Jesus cast out demons. He talked to, he talked to Legion, the the and, and so on, and he sent the apostles out to cast out demons. And um, there was this spirit of Python. We would I was just teaching about that in Luke. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, no. This is a category error. The fact that people could be transferred from the authority of Satan into the kingdom of God is the point of all of this, especially in Luke Acts. Right. So they go from darkness to light, to the kingdom, Satan, to God. And the pagans didn't think there was any way out other than through shamanism and trying to find their way through a religious process. And so the good news was you can get out all at once. All right. It's transferred out. Okay. Now you're under Christ. And so when you go to Christ, you bring everything to him who sits on the right hand of majesty on high, 
We'll go to the throne of grace. He's over all of this. You don't need knowledge. You see? Amen. So you see, what Larson's doing is taking it away from the throne of grace. And he's invoking Christ to force the demons to tell you the truth because you need the knowledge the demons have in order to get free from the demons. Okay. Well, we actually are almost out of time, but wow. I was thinking, let's let's close with Colossians 1, 13 and 14, and we will open with them again next week, but I want to just bring us back to the truth, and you just kind of touched on it here. So Colossians 1, 13 and 14, for he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. That's what we need. Not processing the past, not deliverance, not exorcism. We need the forgiveness of sins. Right. Praise All God right. for that. Amen. Right. Okay. That's one of our YouTube videos. And... Uh, I'm thankful to be able to do these things. It, what's interesting, okay? This is from the 25th. What's today? 27th. 25th, I got an email and it started one of our listeners. And let me read this. This is just exactly what we hear thousands of times since the 90s and it came this week and I won't tell you the name of the person but this email came and here's how it started hi Bob I found your article and videos through a Google search that I did on deliverance I have been looking online for someone to do a deliverance on me but after reading your point of view on the subject I was wondering if perhaps you might have some time to talk I have a lot of things I'm dealing with, and I have some questions. Looking forward to hearing from you. And uh, I replied, thanks for the email. I'm not in a deliverance ministry and focused on Bible teaching, pro gospel preaching, that's me. I do want to help people understand how God removes people out of the domain of darkness and transferred them into the kingdom through the gospel. We do the videos and articles to help people avoid being harmed by the teachings, that they need someone to help them navigate the realm of the spirits. The teachings are widespread, I told this lady, and very damaging. So I didn't know if I'd get a response, but I did get one. Uh, bear with me, because it's so pertinent. Thank you so much, she said, for your quick response. I've been dealing with unclean spirits due to past so-called practices unknowingly. And a lot of things in my past were sinful. I'm dealing with health issues. And I'm trying to understand what my approach should be. I have watched many videos of what seemed like successful, write that word down, successful, deliverances. And how casting out demons have healed people. I know my health issue for me is related to demons. Let me stop right there. No, we really don't know that. But the videos had convinced her that. Okay. But that is a long story in itself. I was in the process of following the deliverance route when I read your article. By the way, these people that do the deliverances nowadays, two, $3,000 a session or more, and you got to fly to where they are. It, this lady didn't tell me that, but others have. Although uh, I will say that some things make sense. I'm <clears throat> wondering if we can discount, she says, the thousands of people who have had success. So the first thing that happens is that if you have any kind of troubles, confusion, sickness, difficulties, then you don't have success. But somebody may be able to help you find that success of getting rid of those problems. Back to what she said. So it's kind of a mixed message that I'm trying to make sense of. 
So please know that my questions are just based on wanting to understand. Have you had success counseling a lot of people in this way, which was, by the way, turning to Christ or the gospel? So how do you define success? If you don't mind me asking, but very nice lady. Now this just came, I mean, before we came, yesterday, I think. So I wrote back. Thanks for, for responding and clarifying. This is what I wrote back. I appreciate your desire to know the truth. I realize that we tend to think in terms of success or failure. That's me writing back. I used to think that way. I left the deliverance ministry about 1980 for various reasons. One of them is that the same people kept coming back with the same problems. If God was delivering people, it seemed that they should be free. Whatever the manifestations were, the people who were truly delivered were totally changed and served God with joy. I have been trained in the Bible and theology I had been before being a part of a group that did deliverance. I eventually got back to what I should have been doing, which is teaching God's word with clarity and helping people grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And then I pointed her to the video we just saw here. Okay. The issue is not success because everyone claims to have success. The issue is having a relationship with Christ by faith and trusting his promises. That's what I told her. I tell everybody that. The Bible does not teach us that we need to process the past to find freedom. Our sins are forgiven. We know Christ. We have the gift of eternal life and trust God. If that's the case, then we're free. And then I quoted this verse, John eight thirty six. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. And then I wrote this to her. This freedom is relational, not based on symptoms or lack thereof. Actually, the critics of Jesus in John 8 claimed they'd never been into bondage. But Jesus said they were. They did not see any symptoms of bondage and considered themselves righteous. Jesus told them that they were of their father, the devil, who is the father of the lie. John 8, verses 32 to the end of the chapter explains a lot. Deliverance ministers, I told her, have the wrong categories and thus harm people. I never mind people asking questions. And she actually got back. I didn't think I'd hear from her again. Just came, I think, yesterday. Thank you so much for taking the time to send a detailed response. It has given me something to think about. I hope you have a great weekend. This was, I think, Friday. So I don't know what will come of it. Most of the time, they go on to their search for somebody who's successful. Now, in that video, we're questioning whether there's any hope if you accept the premises of the whole process. Now, I want to leave time for discussion, but I've got a ton of material here, too. Here's the books. Bondage Breaker, Neil Anderson, Curse Breaking, Dealing with Demons. I recently got CBD. See, what is this? Yeah, you called me about this. Wow. Yeah. If you want to really want, yeah, if you really want to get in trouble, go to the Christian bookstore. You better have your discernment before you get there. Uh, who, uh, Mike for, for Brian. Let me look at this. It's green or goals. Well, I hate to tell you this, but about 30-plus years ago, I went to a Bob Larson session. You did? Out, yeah, out at a, a, a big hotel. He used to book these hotel rooms uh, uh, out in... Uh, Keep the mic the, close. Out on the Bloomington Strip. And my, I, so I had been saved for about a year, and my daughter, my oldest, 
was about three years old at the time. And my wife and I got a babysitter, and we went out and we, we went to Bob Larson because we were in to this uh, at, at a, a low level, but we were interested in all this being baby Christians. So anyway, we go out there, and there's about 500 people in a, in a room, and <clears throat> Bob Larson... They start with worship and so on and so forth. They go through the session, and then they get down to what everybody is really there for because they want to see or witness some kind of deliverance. So a bunch of people's hand out. Keep in mind, he books this room from about 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock, so it's a three-hour deal. So everybody comes, and a bunch of hands go up when Bob asks for who needs deliverance. So a bunch of hands shoot up, and then Bob Larson selects one of the people. Now, I don't know if it was predetermined who was going to get selected or not. That, that doesn't matter. But anyway, for the next like hour and a half to two hours, he is calling demons out of this person, and I had never seen <laughs> anything quite like this. This After about 15, 20 minutes of Bob just questioning this person, then the person goes into convulsions, and then you hear different voices coming out of him. And again, I don't know if it was real or if it was a plant or anything like that. I, I, I just don't know. But <clears throat> we get done with that, and we're like, whoa, what, what did we just witness? And being into that, we get home, and that weekend, my daughter was having a temper tantrum, and she throws herself into the closet <laughs> in her bedroom, and uh, we're like, she's possessed by the devil, not realizing she's a toddler being a toddler, okay? So we're invoking the name of Jesus to remove the demons from her. Then we find out that there's people that actually will come into your house and rid your house of all demons, okay? Now, we didn't go to that extent, but I, we did find one, and we just never went through with it. But anyway... Can they uh, install water heaters? Yes. That's what I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, thanks to the Lord, uh, we got out of that. But uh, it wasn't a long time that we were in that. But then we, then we started to uh, recognize true sanctification, and that's God opening up his truth uh, to us. And uh, that's kind of what happened there. But anyway, in uh, Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he doesn't follow that up with you're going to have years and years of torment, okay, because you're going to be possessed by devils and you got to go get some special revelation. See, he would have put that there, okay, if that's right. what he was going to do. Jessica, do you want to comment? We just saw the video. You know we were going to show Yeah. So, well, and I was just thinking as you're talking about the, what you saw at the Bar Bob Larson event, you know, the demons are more than happy to put on a really good show for us. And they do. And it, so it's not that they aren't real, and it's not that these things don't happen. It's that that's not what God has called us to do. And the, the better the show the demons can put on, the more people believe that it's effective. And so they keep going back to these things because they're seeing these manifestations, and it actually just makes the manifestations worse because they're, they're, it just is convincing people to buy into the false system and taking their eyes off of Christ and what we have in him. Good point. I tell, I can't even, I've lost count long ago how many hundreds and hundreds of people contacted me about this. And I will just say this to all of us. Objective reality is your friend. God made us human beings, created his image. The world is fallen, we're fallen, but there's a plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ wasn't found by a shaman figuring out which spirit to listen to. That's what the pagans do. He came into the real history of the fallen world according to the promises of the Old Testament that God would send a Messiah and uh, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, the conquering king that comes later, and that's 
the one that it said whom we've seen, who we've heard, First John 1, 1 through 3, who we've touched, or our hands have handled that word of life. Him, he, we proclaim to you. John was an eyewitness. Now, a shaman, a fisherman, chosen to be an apostle, was an eyewitness, and the others. Peter uh, as well. And so God is not sending anyone into the realm of the spirits where they are at a huge disadvantage. The physical senses he's given us are to build houses, plant gardens, pull out the weeds, uh, do jobs, engage in occupations, and the means of grace are not designed for elite people who have some clever idea that we never are able to do. And frankly, why would you be charging thousands and thousands of dollars like this Larson to be a shaman? And then, uh, so were you here when I read that letter, Jessica? I read the letter from the, I think I forwarded it to you. They just came like in this last week. But there have been other people who have decided, well, I think that's right. I'm just going to study the Bible. Don't worry about feelings, manifestations, curses. I'm just going to believe God. But then they, they start wavering because something happens. Whether you have a sickness or you get, I mean, everybody has days of confusion or sickness or uh, sorrow or fear, or whatever we have in this fallen world. They think, okay, somebody said, I think it's maybe valid, but we just haven't found the right person who does it right. Okay, now let me answer that, because I've heard that so many times. I know many people run into that. Let me ask you a question. If it's true, if the promises of God are true, if God did for us through Christ what we could never do for ourselves, that the eternal God the Son came into our world, was born of a virgin, did many miracles to prove who he is, not to prove what we could do if we just had the secret. That's why that's a false Jesus they preach in many cases. And predicted his own death for sins on the cross and predicted his own resurrection from the dead and was raised and appeared to many witnesses. Why do you need witnesses if all you need to do is go into the world of the spirits and figure it out. You don't need witnesses for that. When did Judas come to believe? He touched, not Judas, Thomas. Oh, by the way, always correct me in real time, at least in Sunday school, uh, because otherwise I've got to edit it later. Thomas touched him. Judas ran off and hung himself. Thomas touched him. He said, my Lord and my God. You don't need evidence and witnesses for everything you can't see. And so if we trust in Jesus and our sins are forgiven, and as you said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And it says in Ephesians 1, 3, that those who believe in Jesus are blessed. Why? Why are we blessed? Because we figured out the secret. No, because we're in Christ. Who's cursed? Jeremiah is very simple. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Verse 9, same chapter, I think 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in God. So you trust in Christ. You believe him. You know that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. You know he's coming again. You believe the word of God. You know your sins are forgiven. You know you were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. And he is at the throne, right hand of God, and he hears us. And somebody comes and says, no, actually, you're cursed. Because you didn't process your own past correctly. We don't process the past. We leave it behind and go forward. Yes, Brian, glad to hear from you. Yeah, good luck casting yourself out of the curse of Adam. Um, you know, you're not going to achieve that. The other, the other 
you know, I've, I've been involved in some of this stuff too, and I got stories too, but anyway, you know the root causes of this. So the, the sanctification issue is, is a huge, huge root cause of this. But there's another, there's another thing to it that I think I just came up with a new term. How, how about this? Overrealized glorification. Right? Because yeah. you know what happens when there's an overrealized eschatology? Everybody wants to bring the kingdom right here to earth right now. And if you have an overrealized glorification, you don't want to sin anymore. Okay, good. Good. Great. Uh, sorry. Not going to happen. You know, even Paul in Romans uh, 7 somewhere. I mean, look at Paul. Paul's in this struggle. We're in this struggle. We're all in this struggle. Good luck casting out your own fallen human nature. Not going to work. You're going to be right back paying the same people another grand for the same garbage that you were born with from day one. Okay? So your your sense of glorification is real. We all long for glorification. It's going to happen eventually, not until you're dead, okay? So you can't pay anybody to bring you into a state of glorification, sinless perfection, perfect health, perfect every word you say is perfect, every thought, every deed, every intention, even while you're in traffic. It's not going to happen. God bless you. <laughs> let me let me point out. I just put this up here. Oh, right here. Uh, I, I know you can't see it, read it, but I should figure out a way to do this in Sunday school. This is Jeremiah seventeen seven. Blessed is the man, generic by the way, human being who trusts in the Lord, which is Yahweh, and whose trust is the Lord. Jeremiah seventeen seven. And then it says. In verse 9, the heart is more deceitful. This, that's verse 9 down here. Than all else that is desperately sick. Who can understand it? What does it mean? The heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? What's the implied answer? Nobody but God. Bob Larson doesn't. Neil Anderson doesn't. Watchman Nee doesn't. The Christian psychologist that, what was the thing, Theophosic healing does it, a process, yes. Um, and then just on, on uh, you know, Jesus apparently forgot about all these specific things, right? I mean, you know, which I'm joking. But Second Peter, I just, I just looked, and this is just something that we need to remember. You know, Second Peter, Peter's talking, it's Second Peter 2, uh, verses 9 and following, uh, which this speaks to a lot of things, but uh, one of the things he's talking against is the false teachers, which is what we're talking about here. Uh, and it says, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. Now, the Greek can also be translated trials, apparently. So the Lord knows how to rescue. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. So, in other words, it's, it's, and it's affirmed also in Jude uh, 8 through 10, where the archangel Michael w- was not going to rebuke uh, Satan himself or the, or the demons. I'm not right. sure which. So, really, we've got affirmative statements in the Bible that say, do not go into this casting out of demons. It's just way beyond it. We're in over our head when we try to do that. Right. Don't go... We have Christ the high priest to deal with that realm. We're safe in him. A couple more verses. Jeremiah 17 is worth just studying. Okay? This is verse 14 I have highlighted. I know you can't see it. This is on the fly technology. But here's what Jeremiah said. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. He didn't say, send a shaman. Now, I've, I quoted verse 9, verse 7. Look at verse 5. Whoops. I'm not good with this touchpad. 
Thus saith the Lord, which is Yahweh, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Blessed are the man who trusts in the Lord. Heart is deceitfully wicked. Put all that together. Jeremiah 17, and it still applies because it's about the nature of man, the nature of God and his plan. Why would you want to figure out the heart that's so desperately wicked that only God knows it? Why would God leave his own people in a situation where if they don't figure out how to find the right person to get revelations, to figure out what curse, what demon, what past sin, what soul tie? I mean, it's endless. They never end up, they never get done creating more processes. So God says, once for all, the false teacher says, oh no, it's a long process and you need to pay me a lot of money and I'll get you through it. So I would like to see somebody like Bob Larson or Neil Anderson or, well, Watchman Nee is no longer in the scene of history. What do they say about Jeremiah 17? Well, they don't because it doesn't even figure in. Now, what about some of these things that are right, that we know are true? Even that they turn into a process. I thought about that when I was watching our video. The armor of God. So what does it say when you say the armor of God? I'm pretty sure that. Stand firm. The armor of God is the gospel. Hope, faith, and so on. The word of God. That's a process. Now here, repeat after. No, I don't really do this. Even putting on the new man. I put on. You have to say it to yourself. I put on joy. I put on righteousness. I take up my sword. I put on my helmet. I put on my breast. So they don't believe what it says unless they tell themselves, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. No. Big picture. So the same people who say the Roman Catholicism has it wrong create a system that's similar. Everybody wants, go say 10 our fathers and so many Hail Marys and then you can feel good. So along comes Neil Anderson and his whatever. I don't care how many books they sell. I don't care about that, but it's wrong. So is this Roman Catholicism for evangelicals? Say this, affirm this, deny this, affirm that, say this. Now I have a symptom. You missed something. Say this, affirm this. No. Put on the new man means live like God has actually saved you and trust him to change you. It's not a process of renunciations and affirmations. So, to make it very simple, believe the promises of God. The only way anybody will be saved, rescued, blessed, put into the realm of freedom in Christ, is through what Christ did for us once for all, and we believe him. And I'm telling you, I've been trying for, well, 92, we started Critical Issues Commentary. Next year, it'll be 30 years. Um, How many times have people said, well, that sounds good, but I still have symptoms. I'm going to go find somebody. That'll happen, but it won't do you any good. So... We, we're doing these uh, YouTubes because people are searching around, as I showed you in that email I got. And they have now, see, when you had to go to the Bob, Bob Larson meeting, now they have it all on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even have to burn gas or have a car. No. But it's still the same problem. Do you believe the promises of God or do you need a shaman? I'm going to go with the promises of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and kindness that you've had mercy on us and give us, given us eternal life, forgiveness of sins, hope that's grounded in what you've done once for all. 
Can we pray for those dear people that we know? Some of them are friends or relatives, people that call, and they just want to find these other things. And may they get plucked out of that whole realm. Instead, cling to your promises. We need a lot of help, and we need a lot of wisdom. And we thank you, Lord, for providing that in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.